This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at Pop Sugar. And I'm Zareen Sneaky, the Director of Partnerships at Pop Sugar. And in today's episode, we're talking about those shows that we keep watching, but mostly just complain about them for one reason or another. What is it about these shows that prevents us from just walking away? This is better known as hate watching. Right. Hate watching. Like how I learned recently that you watched the first three episodes of the new season of Handmaid's Tale, but... You don't like it enough to watch the entire thing because you fast forwarded through at least 30 minutes in the first three hours. So why why do you even bother with it? Why are you doing this to yourself? You know, we'll get to that. But first, if you're new here, we start every show with some quick not over it's where we pick something recent or something that's just been on our mind for a while that we're not over. So Becky, what are you not over this week? I should tell you, I don't know how quick this is going to be because once you get me started... It's hard. It's hard to stop. But did it started? I am not over the Oscars. Ver- various parts of the Oscars, many parts of the Oscars. Specifically, though, that they thought they could get away with presenting Best Picture as not the last award category of the night. Like these producers thought they were being so interesting and avant-garde by mixing up the categories they gave away best director much earlier and i was like huh that's interesting okay like they're they're changing it up but when they announced best picture and it was very clear that they hadn't done best actor or best actress yet because we we were working and covering the show for pop sugar so you're you're well aware of what's happening you're not getting up and you know missing things and they got to best picture and suddenly everyone was collectively like huh like what? Like they're oh, yeah. doing best picture now? Even while working during the Oscars and watching all of it, I was still I I stopped and, and looked at the screen and I was like, why is the news starting? Is the show over? What's what's going on? Did I miss something? Even though I've been sitting here for the past three hours, and no, it turns out I didn't miss anything. No, I'm getting like these texts being like, did my TV cut out? Like how long have I been asleep? Like what year is it? Like are they not doing best actor or best actress? So they re reorganized them. Then they give Best Actress to Frances McDormand, which is sort of like, okay, like more nomad land. To this, no, no, no disrespect to Frances McDormand. She's a great actress. And then you're getting ready for the last award of the night, which most people believe is going to give Be Best Actor to Chadwick Boseman, which yeah. Chadwick Boseman doesn't even win. They give it to Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't there. And the presenter is Joaquin Phoenix, of all people, oh, to be oh, like... It's just like pure just like, chaos. Oh, Anthony Hopkins isn't here. Bye. Academy Award for actor goes to Anthony Hopkins, the father. 
the Academy congratulates Anthony Hopkins and accepts the Oscar on his behalf. Thank you. And then the show just ends abruptly and everyone is like, what? Like Chadwick Boseman didn't win. Anthony Hopkins isn't there. Like what, what just happened? And it was the most anticlimactic thing. It well, was because people were confused. It even happened. Like people had to go back and read like on Twitter or something who actually won because obviously there was like a stark, you know, reaction to the fact that Chadwick Boseman didn't win. And people were upset that Anthony Hopkins did. And no disrespect to Anthony Hopkins, great actor, but also, come on. Like, really? No, well, and also it completely backfired because I think they were trying to end on some big moment. It certainly seemed like they were preparing for it to end on Chadwick Boseman, which again feels a little like, why are we capitalizing on this person's death? Like, yes, he deserves the Oscar, but like ending it on that, like intentionally feels sort of strange. But also the producer said it was not meant to end on somebody who was not present and Chadwick Boseman wasn't going to be there, obviously. So I don't really know what they were thinking. It's upsetting to people that Chadwick Boseman doesn't win. It's upsetting to people that it seems like the whole show was like engineered to capitalize on the death of this black actor. It's upsetting right. that the last award shows of the night go to these, you know, established but like old white people. Right. Well, it's been this whole narrative of this is the most diverse and inclusive Oscars. The nominees are the most diverse they've ever been. But in the end, it's sort of like, you know, I'm sure it's a defeated, it's a defeating feeling, I'm sure, across the board for many people that wanted to see Chadwick win, that wanted to see literally anybody else win. Um, and at the end, it's still, I don't know, it just feels like a business as usual kind of a thing. Right. It just leaves you with a weird taste in your mouth. And then, of course, the producers are still happy about the way it happened because everyone was talking about it. And this is crazy. And comparing it to the La La Land versus Moonlight mix-up. And first of all, how dare you? La La Land versus Moonlight was hilarious. No, yeah, this was just tragic (laughs) and awful. Just purely just chaos. And the viewership was down anyway, but I think that's also a part of just society in general feeling defeated by a pandemic year and everything being garbage. But also, I don't know, calling something as buzzy or amazing when it's 60% down in viewership. I don't know if you should be talking. Right. It's it's super crazy. It's super crazy for the nine people who were still watching (laughs) after like three hours of the most humorless award show ever. I mean, you had one one bit with Glenn Close. They could have done with a host, I think. I don't. It's like I know they try to go hostless for these things. They think it's going to be better, but it actually ends up being worse. Like I'd almost rather have a host that I can be like, oh, "That joke wasn't funny," or "This is cringy." No, and somehow it still was went over time. I'm like, how does that happen? Like you don't yeah. even have as much celeb- many celebrities as normal. Right? They cut out the songs. Do. They cut out the songs. Or they did <laughs> the songs in the in the pre-show. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you still, how is this show still so long? You don't even have the best song nominees performing anymore. And yet three hours. Yeah, well, they've actually done that. They've actually done that before. I mean, I'll never, I'll never forget that year that the Muppet movie was nominated for the now Oscar winning song, Man or Muppet. No. By Jason Jason Siegel. And all I wanted to see was Jason Singles, Jason Single, Jason Siegel singing the song with the Muppet. And that was the year they decided not to have people singing at the Oscars. Oh, my God. 
Anyway, I could go on, but why bother? Zareen, what are you not over? I'm not over the fact that Elon Musk is going to be hosting Saturday Ugh. Night Live this weekend. What do you mean? You're not excited about it? No. Why? I know. Well, it's going to be musical guest Miley Cyrus, which do you think they know when they're paired with someone on the show? Like, hmm. do you think like Harry Mulligan knew that Kid Cudi was going to be the musical guest? Or did they find out once they're booked? It's like, oh, and here is the musical guest that you will be coinciding with. It probably depends, honestly, because I don't I don't know that they book them. At, they probably book them separately because they serve separate purposes. So unless the host is also going to be the musical guest. When is he going to Mars? No, I don't know. And can it be sooner? Can it be before this week? Sooner than this weekend? Yeah, sooner than this weekend. Can we send him to Mars? Um, Yeah, I was just curious because I feel like Miley Cyrus could have been the host and the musical guest. And that, to me, would have been better than having Elon Musk there. But also, a couple people that agree with me would be the Saturday, a few people from the Saturday Night Live cast including like Bo and Yang. Mm-hmm. Um, he shared something on his Instagram after Elon Musk tweeted, like, let's find out how live Saturday Night Live is. And he was just like, what the fuck does this even mean? I mean, first of all, what? Like, sir? Yeah. No. Also, yes. Like, Well, live is a, like a five second delay, 10 second delay. I think we all know that. That's what live is. But outside of that, what are you even talking about? And why are you here? Um, A.D. Bryan also shared like an old Bernie Sanders suite where he basically called um, immense wealth moral obscenity. So I'm sure she's super excited about having Elon mm-hmm. Musk there. Michael Che also put posted some things on his Instagram that he now deleted, being like, I don't understand this controversy and something about Colin Jost being excited to get the band back together, which is part of his constant poking fun. Trolling. Of, <laughs> trolling yeah, trolling of, of Colin Jost. But yeah, clearly everyone in the cast is not totally on board on this on board with this which makes it kind of uncomfortable yeah but also can you just pay to be on saturday night live that's what seems I think, to be yes i think if you're i mean i don't really know but like if anyone can it's elon musk like is jeff bezos next will bill gates be hosting later this season what's happening i think i'd rather see bill gates host to be honest well i think i would rather see anyone that aside from elon musk who's been so incredibly problematic during this pandemic spreading all kinds of nonsense um and also having a baby with Grimes and naming it that weird AOL sound. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over that. Also, I mean, but. maybe Mark Zuckerberg wasn't available. Oh, my God. Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg has been so much more active on his own Facebook, like responding to people, which is so terrifying that he was popping up A on my feed. I... Also, I hate having Facebook, but it is, I need it for work. Um, But that's been really jarring because he is clearly like a Westworld robot, like stuck on a loop, but also like trying to be human, which is like. No, that's why it would be interesting to see him host. I bet Elon Musk is going to have like Kanye West come on with him or something insane. It's just going to be like a, a sphere of like just grossness. Yeah. Here's a question. Would you say you're going to hate watch this episode of SNL? (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah, that's accurate. That's very accurate. Okay. Should we use this? Should we ride this segue? Yeah, let's ride it. Ride the wave, Becky. All right. In today's episode, we're getting into the different reasons why we love to hate watch. Sometimes it's because we need to see what this kajillionaire is going to do on live television. 
sometimes it's because we used to love a show and it went on for such a long time and then it became terrible, but we just don't know how to quit. Well, other times it's because the show was never good in the first place, but there's a twisted sense of joy we feel in watching it. Just to make fun of all the ways it's ridiculous or bad. It's so bad, it's good. This one really speaks to me. Um, But before we get to those, I want to start with the shows that cause us so much emotional distress that it actively feels like it's bad for our mental health if we keep watching, but we need to know what happens. And I believe The Handmaid's Tale falls into this category for you. Oh, my God. It truly does. That's like a show. A, that, you know, obviously it's based on a book. It was a book that I read way too young um, because my mom decided to take me to Half Price Bookstore and let me pick out whatever I wanted. And I was like, "Mm, this one. And then after I read it and I explained what it was, and she was like, who let you get this book? (laughs) It's like, you bought it for me, Ma. But yes, this show is generally just horrifying um, and makes you feel dead inside. Um, And there's not a lot of joy coming from it. And if there are moments of joy, they're very, very fleeting where you think something as good is going to happen and then it's immediately just taken away from you. Um, And it's been like this for all three seasons, I would say, so far. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hard show to watch. I think what the next level of this for me is, I have to come back to this, is that last week, when you were watching the first three episodes, you texted me and you were like, wow, I just started The Handmaid's Tale. So intense. I believe you specifically referenced the previously on Handmaid's Tale. So you're like, I'm just starting it out. Two hours later, you text me, man, the third episode is getting really intense. And I am sitting here like, she just started this. I actually went back and looked at the timestamps on the text you sent me because I was like, how could she possibly be on the third episode? These episodes are a full hour. I watched them all the day after I was vaccinated, which like really is just adding injury to injury. Um, And I challenged you on this and asked you, how could you possibly be on the third episode? (laughs) Are you watching it on 1.5 speed? And that's when you told me that you were fast forwarding various sections, like hitting the fast forward button, meaning you're not even hate watching it. You're fast forwarding through it. Listen, in my defense, there's certain things that I just can't watch on that show. Okay. There's a lot of gruesome stuff that happens or the anticipation of just death and destruction that I am fully opting out of this season. And it's actually made it slightly more pleasant to watch because I literally don't watch those scenes. So but you feel like you still get the gist. Like, do you, do you watch it? To do see... you watch it as it's happening like quickly? Like once she's, you know, stabbing the pig or whatever it is she's no, doing. No, because that stuff just <laughs> like, ugh, no. But how do you know but... when it's time to stop the fast forward? I just don't think I need to watch someone get waterboarded in order for me to like feel how horrible her life is. Like I get it. And the gist is like, I know something bad just happened to her. She looks really distressed. I don't need to see the details. Like good enough. Okay. But why, what's preventing you from just quitting the show? Because I need to know what the fuck happens. I've been here for so long. I need to know if she's going to get out of this hellhole. I need to know if if she gets her daughter back and gets reunited with her hot husband. Like, I need to know these things. And there's also, you know, characters that I am invested in outside of Elizabeth Moss, who is the main character on the show. That Like, I need to know what's going to happen to... What's his name? Max Minghella? Yeah, yeah. Nick? You, yeah, need, you yeah. need to know how many of them will get waterboarded or dismembered or raised. Yeah, like or... I feel like he deserves, I mean, he's not that nice of a person on the show. 
you know, so I would like to see bad things happen to him if possible. Oh, you're rooting. You're you're rooting against him. No, oh, yeah, I'm for sure rooting against him because he has okay. all the power in the world and doesn't use it. So, yeah, no, we're done making excuses for men in 2021. <laughs> okay, so what I'm gathering here is that you you're still emotionally invested in the show, though. You care about the characters. You care about what I happens. Do, yeah, you just yeah. don't want to watch like the the trauma porn of it. Exactly. Yes. That's too much for me. Well, I think the emotional distress is also a lot of the reason why people had to stop watching 13 Reasons Why. Ugh. You know, the first the first season, the show is very upsetting, gut wrenching, hard to watch. I think in the first season, you know what to expect. I mean, they they really went there. Well, we should say the premise of the show is um, all about teen suicide. So yes, it's it's, a, it's a, about it's told from the perspective of a girl who has already committed suicide. So you know that's what it's leading up to. It was also based on a book. So if you had read the book, I mean the story was out there. It wasn't yeah, a twist, yeah, but yeah. um, you know the the suicide scene was so graphic that Netflix actually went back and changed it because uh, to to take out a lot of it because it was so intense for people to watch. So that's the first season where you're sort of like this is intense, but it's really good. This show went on for three more seasons after that. Horrifying. Where I actually found the second season even more emotionally distressing to watch than the first season because I didn't know what was going to happen. And they really had a surprise surprise rape scene that was extremely graphic and so hard to watch and so upsetting. Just like, I feel dead inside. Why am I watching this show? And then I did proceed to watch the last two seasons. Why is that? Why Why did you see season two was my that was my drop off point. I at that point realized I am not emo- emotionally invested in these characters. The storyline is too much for me. I cannot handle it. I and I decided for this show, the torture was too much, even though I keep watching Handmaids. I think I was still I still felt certain emotional investment in the characters. And it wasn't until the last season that I realized that the writers of the show had sort of ruined a lot of these characters by Lost continuing the story. <laughs> yes. It was like the main character of clay is just, you know, he is like joyless by the end. And you're it's, it's not quite as emotionally distressing as the first two seasons, but it is just like joyless and exhausting. But I had, I had to know, I was like, they think they can keep the show going fine. I need to see <laughs> challenge I accepted. Think- I think there's a little part of this, and we'll get into this later when we talk about shows that start off very good and then got bad, but I think there's a little part of you that is hoping that they'll write the ship. You're like, okay, well, now they know it's the end. Like, they'll the second season was not the best. The third season was kind of all over the place, but it just got worse from there. Yeah. Also, I think a large part of... I, I, like, I, I also know a couple people that just stopped watching the show after season two, and I think... While in season one, you were like, oh, this is a high school show, but it's about something really dark and, you know, but maybe they do it in a interesting way and you're curious and get invested in the characters. By season two, the end of it, I was like, this is a show about high school kids. This is too much. I don't want to watch this. Like I had my mindset had completely flipped from season one. Right. Well, and I think there's plenty of shows that are emotionally distressing or stressful that we you know, continue to watch and genuinely enjoys like shows like Breaking Bad, shows like Ozark, where you're like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out that I wouldn't really say 
is it's a different watching. kind of emotional distress. Like that's something that I would say that that's how I feel towards This Is Us. It's not like I feel incredibly jarred by it, but it is stressful watching that show because I'm like, will I cry today watching an episode of This Is Us or will I just be super annoyed <laughs> because they're focusing on two characters that I hate? What will happen? So, Which, which two characters do you most hate? I don't want to say it out loud because I feel like people will come for me and I'm not ready for that. Do their names rhyme with Schmate and Schmoby? Don't do this to me. <laughs> How dare you? Well, yeah. Well, I think this is also a situation where This Is Us is designed to be emotionally manipulative. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. they're like, how can we construct this episode in a bait and switch way? So the goal is to make you cry by the end of the episode. Yeah. No, that's fair. Like, the last episode really got me. I think it got both of us where I was, like, texting you and I'm like, this is so upsetting. I feel really stressed out with this conversation these brothers are having and I kind of wish I was there to hug both of them. I don't know how I feel. No, well, and that's when you're angry at yourself for being so emotional because you're like, why Why is the show still getting me? Like, the show isn't even that good anymore. No, yeah. Well, it was like the episode before. I'm like, this is the dumbest episode. Who cares about this storyline of this person? And then here I am the following week watching it again and being like, well, this is so good. I'm sad. And I'm so... It's like, God damn it. They got me again. And that's how they get you. Any yeah, kind of well, stress, that's... I feel like sometimes it just keeps you coming until until you decide it's too much for you, like I did with 13 Reasons Why. And you're like, I've had enough. Well, I, I think sometimes with This Is Us, it's like a little bit cathartic, where like you feel silly crying, but you're like, okay. Well, yeah, it's like I'm sitting here watching <laughs> a show on NBC bawling. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> but, yeah, no. Okay, I think we need a break after all this emotional distress. But when we come back, we'll talk about some of the shows that we initially loved, but went on for so long, we eventually turned on them. Maybe it's a hospital show that's gone on for 17 seasons, Grey's Anatomy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now let's talk about shows where most of the hate watching occurs. This, this is generally reserved for shows that started out really, really strong and then kind of, you know, depleted over time. But we can't get ourselves to stop watching, even if they've ran out of steam. Although, Becky, I feel like this is your life. You can't quit. You can't quit a show. This is this is my life, especially right now. It feels really relevant. You know, when you feel relieved when a show like Riverdale goes on hiatus... <laughs> God, there's probably you... a there's probably a psychological problem with you um you but... told me that you told me that you would stop watching riverdale if um our friends Allie and joanna stopped watching riverdale so this is a plea <laughs> Allie no. and Joe, please stop watching this well, show no, this so is... becky can stop watching <laughs> well this uh, riverdale is actually a little bit different because you know it's a cw show so it, it was always a guilty pleasure it's not like oh this show started off amazing and now uh, it's horrible. I mean, it started off stronger than it is now. I mean, now there's aliens on the show, which was really not something I thought I would ever see. And constantly I watch the show and I am so shocked by the things that are happening because they're so random and so out of left field. And then I'm like, why 
am I shocked by this? Why am I shocked by this? But this show, no, I, think I will say, are trolling you. Well, they're okay. trolling all of us. They're trolling all of us. Well, this is what I keep saying is that the actors clearly want off that show and talk about how being on the show is like being in prison. And I'm like, no, I'm the one who's in prison <laughs> watching this show. But also, now KJ it's like, I should watch what he says because I don't know what he's going to get after this show. No, I agree. <laughs> but this this is a situation where I feel like I've come this far. The show's in its fifth season. Every it's season, fifth? I'm like, yeah, I'm. I say it can't possibly go on much longer. Maybe it has one more season in it. It's already been renewed for another season, by the way. But I feel very confident that the sixth season will be its last. Is Mr. Kelly Ripa still on the show? Oh, oh yes. Okay. He just he just broke a whole slew of inmates out of prison. <laughs> he's also <laughs> he's also working on finding his own. He founded his own currency. He's working oh. on that. Yeah, he's got a lot of. He like he, owns the whole the town Elon of Riverdale. Musk. He's Elon Musk of Riverdale. Yes, he's. Okay. He's the big bad. We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about Riverdale, but I will say the reason why I hate watch this show is because I enjoy talking about it with Allie and Joanna, the previously aforementioned. You know, we have a little Slack group. We talk about how much we hate this show and that sparks joy. So it's kind of oh. a mixed bag. I, I feel similarly about Grey's Anatomy, which... Oh, yeah. Why 17, 17 years. I mean, that's like basically signing on for the Sea Org. Like none of us were expecting to sign no, on for a yeah, 17 year I contract. Am- no, 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 no. It's like I signed my soul away for this. And I don't know when. I don't even know when it happened. And now I'm so deep in and it's still going, which is so troubling. And every every episode that comes out, I'm just like, is who's gonna die? Are they gonna kill everybody off? What's gonna happen? I'm just But waiting. this is a show where I don't feel like I am even emotionally invested in the characters anymore. No, this is truly purely just hate watching. I right. it's this like show I has just... gotten to a point where I hate every character on the show, even the ones that I used to love. Which is somebody that I used to. Love. <laughs> yeah, that's now the soundtrack's gotten progressively worse. Like I remember the feeling of watching Grey's Anatomy, like season one through four, probably, and every episode was just. I was like, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. The songs are going to be amazing. It's going to be just all the characters I'm obsessed with. And then it got to a point where, you know, honestly, I think it's when they brought in Owen. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was season five. I think that's well, and I, I think for a while with the show, because it's been on for so long, for a period of time, it felt like you're still watching it for the nostalgia. Like, maybe it's not as good as it used to be, but, like, it's still good. Like, the characters, are you still care about them. Now I'm just like, maybe COVID will take all of them, and that's fine, as long as the show ends. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so dark. And that's sad. There's something really sad about that when you've watched the show for so long that it becomes terrible. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, this isn't a great... This is definitely not an apples to apples comparison because I major- for the majority of it, I really, really love this sh- show, Game of Thrones. And I know. Oh my God, you did not. You yeah. are not comparing Grey's Anatomy it, it, to Game of Thrones. I just said it's not an apples to apples. I know, but apples. I don't care. I know you did. I don't I care. I said it's not apples to apples. I'm talking about getting to a point in a show where you hate it, where the last season of Game of Thrones to me really, I feel like, affected how I felt about the entire series, where before I would sell it so hard and I was obsessed with it. And that last season just ruined me. Was it really the whole last season, though, or just the last episode? Like, were you really hate watching Arya triumphantly stabbing the Night King? I mean, that was a great episode. No, but then it was like, you made us wait for this long, and I got to look at the Starbucks cup. Like, get out of here. No, I don't want to watch this garbage. (laughs) It was just like, they, they made us wait for so long, and I think the fans of that show are also so loyal, as I would like to pride myself also of being such a loyal fan, and 
it just ruined the entire season. I mean, I'm glad it ended because at that point I was like, oh, I can't believe it's ending. It's so sad. And then the last season came and I was like, thank God, please end the show. Kill them all. Like, I don't want to see it anymore. No, I didn't feel that way. I felt like the ending was a little bit disappointing, but I still was there for it every single week. It def- the ending was definitely jarring, although I'm one of the few people of the unpopular opinion that I didn't mind Brand being on the Iron Throne. That made sense to me. Which maybe that's a whole other episode of who deserved to be on the Iron Throne. But yeah, listen, George R. R. Martin still has two more books to write. So I maybe I don't want to know. Keep it to yourself. I don't want to know anymore. But I think there's a lot of shows like that where they you're really into it when it first starts and it's almost a phenomenon. And then like Orange is a New Black. I love season. I mean, season one was definitely my favorite, as I would imagine it was for most people. But then it got to a point where it was almost too much and it was not fun to watch anymore and the character evolution to me for the main characters at least i just started hating piper so i was like get her out of here yeah i actually did quit orange is new black there (gasps) there are a few shows i think netflix is easier because they drop them all at once so it's either like you're going all in or you're just not gonna acknowledge i think it's easy to quit anything (laughs) that's my my personality is throw it away no i generally i generally like to to complete like younger the final season of younger is airing right now and i wouldn't say i'm hate watching it but the last season is not very strong and it's making me sad that uh, i thought the show used to be great yeah and you're like why did you you put this you continued the show for too long like you shouldn't have done this yeah that's a show i also quit i was like well it's been nice knowing yeah well i'm like but i'll make these episodes are 22 minutes like what's it taking for me 22 minutes whatever you waste 22 minutes on TikTok. I'd rather. I would rather waste 22 minutes on TikTok than an episode Dateline? Talk about emotional distress. <laughs> Dateline is a good show. How dare you compare Dateline to Younger? Well, I have a lot of free time because I don't watch Dateline compared to you. I mean. Yeah. Well, you should watch Dateline. It's better than Younger. Yeah. I think also the ultimate like show that I was hate watching along with the rest of America at the end was Glee. That was a show where it was like, when it becomes embarrassing that you're still watching, that was like a Riverdale. Oh, you're like, no. you're still watching it and you're like it's so ridiculous part of me needs to see what where what are they gonna do now like what where are they gonna take this that show did show? go on forever but i remember it losing steam as someone that did not watch glee i felt like i knew all about glee the first couple of seasons because youtube would always be feeding me like gwyneth paltrow singing that CeeLo song constantly And like John Stamos on that show. But then after a while, it kind of stopped on its own because I think maybe the show was losing its steam. Also, the death probably was like, Jesus, that show is so cursed. There's so much like crazy shit happening with the cast. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like definitely after Cory Monteith died, it was a different show for sure for various reasons. But um, yeah, that that was a show that started off as a gen a genuinely good show at the time, like everyone was watching it everyone liked it and then by the end it was like what what am i looking at what is this but no one liked what's his face the teacher i said mr schuster yeah in the 58 year history of the william mckinley high school glee club there has never been such a debacle we do not lip sync ever at the time he wasn't as gross as it is now looking back on it Okay, fair. Like, he was like, like, you, over time, he became a little, 
a little more gross, but because it was a slow build, now you just get those super cuts of like gross, 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 and it's a little <laughs> yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, no. The show was a lot more earnest when it started. Like it became more absurd. You know, at the beginning, it was he was sort of just like an actual teacher. He had a wife. He was just trying to to make it and achieve his dreams. No, and I was I will die on this hill, but literally my favorite song on all of Glee is the safety dance. Okay, we're not getting we're not we're not no no we're not not unpacking that again. We've talked about that before. Play that song again. It's so okay. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. Well, let's let's go to a break before this conversation devolves. Okay, um, to finish things off, let's get into the shows that we collectively hate watch as a society. So these are these are the shows that no one would classify as highbrow or deep shows, but they're so ridiculous that we can't help but find out what happens next. It's so bad, it's good. I think um, to a certain extent, this covers a lot of reality shows. It's like oh, shows yeah, this, is pure, just watching this is pure reality for me. <laughs> for how absurd it is, but... Emily in Paris is one of the first shows to come to mind that all of a sudden a show is like a cultural phenomenon for being so outrageous, bad to so many people that it's almost like you need to see what the fuss is all about. And then once you start, you can't stop. You guys just kiss so much here. (laughs) That show won a lot of awards this award season. (laughs) It was was nominated for it. Like two Golden Globes. Hey, the nominations enough did not win a lot. How dare you? Yeah, people were not happy about that. But no. I think I think part of the joy of hate watching shows like this is that it kind of bonds you with other people who are watching yeah. it. You're like, and this is sort of what we're talking about with Riverdale, where you know from the start you're like, oh my god, have you? It's sort of like this is disgusting. Taste it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> that really is what it is. Oh my gosh, that's the perfect way to describe how you sell these shows to other people. You're like, you got to watch this. It's such garbage. Oh my God. Right. And it's it's because they're guilty pleasures. They're light. They're sort of a comfort in watching them. You don't feel like you have to pay full attention to it. It's, again, it's sort of the opposite of, you know, it's a palate cleanser. Like after you finish The Handmaid's Tale, you're like, now I just need something that I could shut my brain off and I don't care about. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. To me, this is the genre that I like to call what I can watch while I fold laundry. You're like, it's a great show. But I've also seen people be like, that's become a laundry folder for me. That's how people comment. <laughs> like, that's when you know the show has gone from being good to bad as it becomes a laundry folder. Yeah, that's usually my barometer on these shows. Like, I mean, I think like the bold type is a good example here that this wasn't a show that I feel like was complete garbage like Emily in Paris right from the start but it is a show that's you know a little bit outrageous and it shows like these three girls that work in a magazine in New York City and it's so unrealistic and crazy but you're like well mostly because I live we live in New York and we work for a publisher so I'm just like that's not how this works (laughs) you can't just do those things but the fashion's fun and the music is good and it just feels like an easy watch you don't have there even if I missed the last episode I didn't miss that much I can pick up on season three episode four and i'd be like oh i didn't miss a beat i know exactly what's going on right well and like that the hate watching of it is part of the fun like Ginny and georgia half the fun of it was me just being like what 
What did she say? What are they doing? What's this boyfriend's tap dancing? Like you're and then texting the per texting your friends and being like, oh my god, you ha- you ha- again, you have to watch this. It's so ridiculous. Like I just need to talk to someone about how bad this is. And I think there's but there's a level of entertainment. You're not bored. No, yeah, it's you're not, not bored. like hate watching shows that have been on for too long where you're like this show is boring and I hate it. I'm only watching it because I need to find out what's happening. No, um, that's Grey's Anatomy, right? But it's, this uh, is more of like this is so bad, but I I want to still engage in conversation with other people about it, so it's fun. The funny thing about these shows is sometimes you can tell from the jump that they just were kind of lazy about it. But like in those writer rooms or writers rooms, are they just like, no, this show's going to be really good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what? Well, I wonder what they thought when you know Pretty Little Liars was coming out, and you're like, no. This is going to be an amazing show. This writing is so deep. People are going to well, relate and maybe to it's this. because we're we're a little older than the target audience. Maybe we don't have the right, yeah, the Becky, right lens on it. Don't Alice does like that? <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not. We're no longer pretty little ours. <laughs> <laughs> Old trolls. We're we're pretty pretty mid sized pretty mid sized liars. Um, pretty little liars is actually a show that I couldn't hang with. I think I watched maybe the first season and was like, I gotta go. There's not enough yeah. aliens. If there's no aliens, then it's not keeping my attention. <laughs> no, no aliens. Nobody trying to create their own currency. But you know what else Riverdale did? Not to keep talking about Riverdale. They did a time jump, and that was sort of a trick. When they do a time yeah. jump, you're like, oh, they're going to reset this bad show, and then it's going to be good. But you know what? They reset it, and now it's 100 times worse. That's kind of what they did in One Tree Hill. And everybody was like, no, we're no longer in college, and this person's really successful, and this person still lives in Tree Hill and is pretending to be a sports announcer but also just works for a high school i still can't believe that there's no one tree hill like i never saw that show but i recently found out that like no one's address is one tree hill and the fact that that there isn't i'm like what there's is that a, about? It's, a, it's a town the town is called tree hill right but no one's like one la like no one lives at one tree hill that's what you're... <laughs> what does it mean it doesn't mean anything no one's like one creek of dawson one dawson's creek they just call it tree hill it's Tree Hill. It's it's on. There's only one place like Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. No, that doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I just explained it to you, and you're refusing to listen. So that's fine. That doesn't make any sense. Oh no, you know what? I did. I did find out it was because of a U2 album. Oh, I hate that. They named it after a U2 album. Okay. Well, this was a fun look into our psyches for why we're making the content consumption decisions that we are. It's clear that part of the reason why I keep watching Riverdale is. I don't love myself as much as I love gossiping with other people about <laughs> this terrible show. But look, I do think it it scratches an itch where you feel like you can gossip with other people, but no one's no one's getting hurt. It's bringing us yeah. closer together. It's it's either the connection, without, yeah, right. It seems like it should be bad for you, but maybe it's really about connection. It's about nostalgia. It's about feeling like you completed something. I am going to feel proud of the fact that i have watched however many seasons of Grey's anatomy go on even if other people are going to judge me for spending 20 years of my life watching everyone at seattle grace yeah i agree with that i think that's how i also feel about all the reality tv that i consume where i'm so i'm like i don't care i know i should stop watching this garbage tv but like here i am and also we can talk about something that talk bad about something that no one has skin in the game no one's going to get hurt to your point so we can sit here and say all the negative things about Emily in Paris and how ridiculous she looks, but it's okay. It's allowed. Right. Maybe maybe we just discovered that it's scientific fact that hate watching is good for your health. Uh-huh. Not maybe not the handmaid still. We should ask the CDC about that. <laughs> okay. To wrap things up, Becky, 
Are you ready for today's burning question? Yes. Okay. If you were the musical guest on SNL and you had to be on the show with one of these hosts, who would you pick between Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates? I'd pick Bill Gates. I think we've seen enough of Jeff Bezos. I'd like to see what Bill Gates could do on Saturday Live. So DJ, play Billionaire by Travi McCoy featuring Bruno Mars. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Have something to share? Email us at notoveritpopsugar.com. Not Over It is a podcast from Pop Sugar and iHeartRadio. It is hosted by me, Becky Kirsch, and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Lisa Sugar and Brett Kushner. Thanks for listening. 